Atmarie Tifano. Atmarie, let's see if I can do this. Tiropu Manoa Tinoera. Yeah, yeah, the Burning Heart Gang. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Down at the conference, eh? the Burning Heart Gang. I brought my leathers today because I'm part of the Burning Heart Gang. Yeah, I got my uh, Suzuki GN250 on order. <laughs> yeah, all the bikies are laughing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to be a part of the Burning Heart Gang. I'm excited to come here and preach this morning after getting all fired up at Arise Conference. If you've never been to Arise Conference, sign up today for next year because we're all going. We always take a big raw food down. We always take a big group down. This year it was like 60 or so. We've taken 70 before. And, you know, you look around the room and there's like not that much more than that sitting in this room right now. So, you know, we're all fired up and, and go down there all as a, as a whanau, as a team, and we all get fired up together. And one of the things that I love about going to a conference is that we're going to a RISE conference. We're Excite Church here. We're not part of a RISE, but we go to a RISE conference. And to a RISE conference come many different churches, many different leaders, many different Christians, many different like non-Christians as well. Speakers from all over the world come to this place and they all preach. And, 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 and what you hear coming from the platform is the same thing that the Holy Spirit is delivering from little old Kitty Kitty Excite here. And it's just a confirmation for me that we are serving one God. One spirit is talking to each of the leaders in this nation and it's confirmation for me that there's unity in the body of Christ and we're doing well, we're doing healthy. Eh? And uh, you know, if we went down to conference and they were preaching all the opposite things that we were, well then we'd know that they were wrong, you know? But praise God, arise are on the right track. Yeah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Well, I get to preach on, uh, on mission, Possible, the last sermon of this series, and I'm super excited by this, but I'm just going to open up and cut a key because it's so important to do that. Eh? Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much that we're able to sit here in this place, in this nation right now, without persecution, free to worship you, free to sit under your word, free to just get closer to you in this place, Father. And as Pastor Paul was talking about, this is Bethel. This is the house of the Lord. This is the place where we can encounter your presence in a mighty way. So right now, Father, Lord, I just ask for your presence to just be manifest to each and every person in this place, that our hearts would be open, that the spirit of cynicism would be bound in this place, Father, that we would be expectant here this morning to hear from you, not to hear from Reuben, not to hear from Paul, Definitely not to hear from Wayne, but Father, to hear from you, Lord. This is what we've come for. So this morning, Lord, we just shake off all of the, all of the worries of, of our week. We shake off that, that, that spirit of, of oppression and we put on a garment of praise, Father, as we lift our eyes to you and just receive what you've got to say to us. Lord, help me to preach this message. Help me to deliver what you've got to say. And let it be a, a word in season. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. I apologize in advance, Rachel. I'm going to do a little bit of jumping around with the scriptures probably. But here we go. I just want to talk to you actually um, 
uh, a little bit of a story, and this one's not on the slides that I gave to Rachel, so forgive me, it's not going to come up, but Matthew, Matthew, you'll all turn to your Bibles that you've brought, because this is a Spirit-filled, God-loving, Bible-studying church, hallelujah, I can hear the pages rustling now, Matthew 8, chapter 5, uh, chap- Matthew 8, verse 5 to 10, this talks about a Roman centurion, now, this Roman centurion approaches Jesus, and he's got a servant who is ill in his, in his household. And he approaches Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I've heard you're a bit of all right. I've heard that you've got some authority. I've heard that you're able to heal the sick. So I'm coming to you today, and I'm asking you, can you heal the servant in my household? And, uh, and Jesus said, sure, I'll come over to your whare right now and I'll heal your servant. This is a direct translation. And uh, so he, co- he says, I'm going to come over to your house and I'm going to heal your servant. And the centurion goes, no, no, hold up, Lord. You're way too important to be coming over to my house. You've got stuff to do. Don't worry about coming over to my house. I know a thing or two about authority. And I know that you don't actually need to set foot into my house to heal my servant. He said, I understand authority because I'm in the army, I'm a centurion, and there are people above me, and there are people below me. And I know when I speak a command, it is done. I don't need to be there, I just say it, and someone will go and do it who's under my authority, it will be done. So I understand that you are a man of spiritual authority. And if you say it right now, it'll be done. And I'm happy with that, Jesus. Don't worry about coming to my house. And Jesus goes, wow. It says that Jesus was amazed. Hey, it'd take a lot to make Jesus amazed, I imagine. But Jesus was amazed. He was astounded. And he said, check this out, guys. Check this faith out. This is more faith than I've seen even in the children of Israel. He goes, this man is an example of faith because he understands authority. If I were to give my message a title today, it would be, you will respect my authority. You will respect my authority. Come on, say it with me. You will respect my authority. (laughs) Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about well, how does that relate to Mission Possible? Well, I'm going to read uh, directly about the Great Commission. Many of us will know this scripture, and many of us, praise God, will not. Actually, if you've never been to church before, hey, I'm just going to be a bit rude here. I'm just going to say, if you've never actually been into church before, if you happen to be here and you've never walked into a church, um, can, you just, can you just lift your hand up? I'm not going to shame you out or anything, but if you've never been into a church before, lift your hand up. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God you're in the house. That's awesome. That's cool. And if you've never been into this church before, would you lift your hand up? Yeah, you've been into other churches, but you've never been into this church. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, this is cool because I get a chance to just explain to you a little bit about the Bible, about God, about the church, and, um, and, and praise God that you're here and you're welcome. Welcome home. And uh, so I'm just going to read out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is what we call the Great Commission, the reason why the church is here, what Jesus asked us to do as the church. So out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, um, actually, we'll go 28, 19 to 20. Thank you. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is our mahi that we've got to do here on earth. Cool. That's our commission. But there's, there's something there at the beginning of this verse. Go, therefore... Go, therefore. And uh, a a favorite preacher of mine often says, when you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask, what is it there for? Because the therefore usually comes after a very important point. But often when we hear the Great Commission preach, they start here, go, therefore. Therefore, because of what? What is the therefore, therefore? And this is where we jump back a verse. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Rach. Thank you. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Somebody say, go, therefore, therefore. Why therefore? What is the therefore, therefore? It's there for the fact that Jesus has been given all authority. And what does commission mean? The Great Commission, as this is often referred to, a commission is a transfer of authority. You have been given authority by someone who has authority to undertake a mission. That's what commission means. So we as believers in Christ and members of the body of Christ and members of the church, we've not just been asked to do a job, but we have been given the authority to go and do it. We've been transferred that authority. Uh, when, when a contractor is commissioned to do a project, this is another interesting thing about commissions. They're given authority by someone who's paying their bill, paying their invoices. I give you authority to undertake this job to achieve my mission. And I'm going to give you the resources to do it. I'm going to give you the finance to do it. Now, if you're commissioning someone to do something, you want them to actually progress and create something greater than what was there before, amen? We're not commissioned. Like, like if I, I used to be a surveyor by trade, and often I was contracted or I was commissioned to go and achieve a job, to do something. What I wasn't paid to do was to go and get myself ready to do it, you know? I wasn't paid just to fix myself up I was paid to achieve something. I was commissioned to achieve something over and beyond. We are given all authority to achieve something over and beyond. Jesus said, you will do all these things and even greater than what I've done. I'm giving you authority to go out and do things like heal the sick, like raise the dead, like, like heal the blind, like heal the lame, you know, like, like smash addiction off somebody. I'm giving you authority to cast out demons. I'm giving you authority to take victory over mental illness. I'm giving you authority to go and take Northland for the kingdom. I am giving you authority not just to fix yourself up, but to fix everything else up around you by my power and authority. Yeah? So this is the Great Commission, and this is the authority we've been given. 
So the other thing about authority that has been delegated or commissioned is that it's for a purpose, yeah? So sometimes we can go, okay, I've been given all authority by Christ, so I can achieve all the things I want to achieve through Christ who strengthens me. But we're missing a point here because we've been commissioned for a task. We've been commissioned and empowered and given the authority to carry out the will of God. Amen? So we need to understand what is the will of God in our life. Not just, yeah, I've been, I've been given power and authority, so I'm going to go out and do what I, I feel that I, I want to do or what I need to do. No, we need to understand what it is that God wants you and I to do. Amen? That's what we've been given authority to do. Yeah? So we can, we, can, we can go, oh, I've been given all authority, and so, Lord, under your authority, in the name of Jesus, I declare that the lotto numbers on Saturday will be. No? No? No, tried that one. Didn't work. But, Lord, I'll, I'll give it all away, Lord. <laughs> It'll further your kingdom. Don't worry, I've got a plan. No, we need to understand his plan. Hey? We have been delegated authority to the end of taking the gospel out, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them the commandments of Jesus. We've been given authority and power to go out and essentially, if you boil down all the commandments, if you don't know all your commandments off by heart, don't worry, Jesus simplified it for us. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You've actually been given all authority and power and grace to go and love God, love people. And the way that we're to do that is to take the gospel out, share the gospel. You know what the gospel means? Good news. Do you know how beautiful my feet are right now? They're gorgeous. If I took my shoes off right now, you'd be like, man, there's some beautiful feet. Do you know why? Because in Scripture it says, how beautiful are the feet that carry the good news? <laughs> I'm carrying some good news this morning. We've been given the authority to go out and carry the gospel, the good news, not the bad news. Not, hey, sharpen up, boy, you're going to hell. It doesn't sound like good news to me. <laughs> How about your past doesn't define you? Your past does not define your future. There's a man that I know that has dealt with your sin. There's a man that I know that has paid a price so that you can step boldly into the throne room of God without guilt, without condemnation. There's a man that I know, and I'd like to introduce you to him. There's a man that I know that has taken the authority that that addiction has over your life, and he has crushed it, and he has given you a new authority, not just for the overcoming of your addiction, but for the setting of, free of captives in every sphere of authority that he's putting you in. You have been given a mission. And it's more than just to fix yourself up. It is to take the good news out there to someone else and to set them free. Is that something that excites someone in the house this morning? Is that something that fires someone up this morning? Come on. 
going off piste again. Whee. The thing is about authority is we know that delegated a person who has delegated authority doesn't always walk in that authority straight away. Sometimes it takes a bit of learning. Who's ever worked under a supervisor that's not quite walking correctly in the authority that they may have been delegated? You know, not me. Everyone I've worked for is amazing. Certainly at the moment, everyone that I work for is amazing. The Lord, he's amazing. But we know that delegated authority doesn't always mean a person walks in that authority. Often a person needs to grow into that authority and learn to walk in it. Learn to walk in your God-given authority. Learn to walk in your God-given authority. One of the things that they brought up at the conference, um, I can't remember who it was. I'm terrible with names and times and places and quotes. But that one of the preachers um, got up and said, if you look at all the prayers of the disciples in the Bible, when they're going around and they're healing the sick and they're, and they're, and they're praying for the blind and things like this, you know, often when we're, when we're praying for healing, we're saying, Lord, heal this person. Lord, bring your healing power down. Lord, just do your creative miracle within this person. I mean, we've, we've all heard it. We've all prayed it. But when you look in the Bible at how these guys prayed, they prayed with authority. They didn't actually go to the Lord and ask Him, Lord, please come down and heal this person. They spoke to the illness. They spoke to the enemy. And they said, leave. Because they understood authority. If you're, if you're a supervisor and you've got some decisions to make on the floor with your team... Say you've got, you know, say I'm the supervisor of a warehouse and the floor needs to be swept and I've got, I've got a, a person that needs to sweep that floor. I'm not going to use my authority to call up my manager or the CEO of my company and go, hey, can you just ask Dave to go sweep the floor, Lord? Because he's given me that authority. So I'm going to go, Dave, stop mucking around, mate. Sweep the floor. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that today. But this is this is what I'm getting at. Sometimes we can we can we can come meekly into the throne room of God and request that he might do something. But the word says that we've been given authority. The word actually says that we've been seated at the right hand of God in Christ. The seat of authority. We're seated in the authority of Christ. It says in the Word, if you would speak to that mountain, it would move. And here we are speaking to the Lord, asking Him to move the mountain. If we would start speaking to the mountain and understanding how authority works, then we might see some mountains really move in our lives. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to start big sometimes. We can, the Lord can. But just start small. If it's in the will of God, start. Just start speaking with authority. Start speaking with authority. You know, one of the other great things, I'm going to borrow a lot from the conference because I got fired up from it. But Pastor John, I do remember this one. Pastor John Cameron, he said, we're living in a generation now where we are allowing ourselves to be defined by our feelings. You are what you feel. 
in society these days. That's, that's, that's the message. You know, but who knows that feelings can be deceptive and they can be deceived. And if we're going to rely on how we feel to define who we are, then we're going to be in trouble. Wow, is that the time? Have I gone that far over already? Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so, so feelings can be deceived. So we must be careful as followers of Christ and believers in the Lord not to be defined by how we feel. We acknowledge how we feel. They're there for a reason. But we look to the Word of God to understand who we are and where we stand and what our authority is and where our power lies. You know? If I'm standing at the foot of a mountain and looking at it, I'm feeling very small. But the Word of God says that a simple command from my mouth can move a mountain with His authority. Amen? So if we would start speaking to the mountain, speaking to the herd, speaking to the feelings, and telling it to move. The psalmist David said, Why, O soul, are you so downcast within me? He spoke directly to his own soul, to his own emotions. And he said, Come on, boy, sharpen up. Don't you know that God's good? Don't you know that He'll turn all things for the good of those who love Him? And man, I love Him. And I'm called according to His purpose. I'm going to read you a scripture out of the, uh, the, the Passion Translation. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Hold on to your seats. We use this scripture in our Pathways course. If you haven't done it, get to it. We're starting it again in September. This is, this is part, part of this is that scripture. So it says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. The spirit of wisdom, His wisdom, not ours, and the spirit of revelation, of basically something being revealed to us. Yeah, To know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. How are we going to know His will without deepening our intimacy with Him? How do we do that? Studying the Bible, spending time in prayer, having conversation with Him, being open in worship, no matter how badly Reuben sings up the front there. You're not there to worship Reuben. You're there to worship the Lord. Yeah, amen. And I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of the calling that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us his holy ones he wants to open your eyes up to the riches that you've walked into inherited through being a son of the most high the authority you walk in I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith the power is not something you've got to go and find. It is something that is available. It is something that you get an increased revelation of in your life. From the moment that you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, which I will give you an opportunity to do at the end of this sermon, from that moment on, you have access to this immeasurable power. And it is accessed through your faith. And what did Jesus say to the man that understood authority? I have never seen faith like this 
understanding the authority in which you stand and the authority that Christ has. See, there's two worlds that we're dealing with here. There's the natural one that you look around in, which you might feel you have zero to no authority in. And then there is the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. And guess what? You are where heaven meets earth. Yeah? Pastor Paul spoke about us being the temple, us being the gates of heaven. You are where heaven touches earth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And in that spiritual realm, you have all authority in Christ to carry out the work of God. Amen? Amen. So I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. You are a walking testimony of God's goodness. Yeah? I don't feel like a testimony of God's goodness at the moment, Pastor Reuben. I feel like an absolute mess. God, it has nothing to do with where you are. It has everything to do with where He is. Right now, seated at the right hand of God. And guess what? That is where you are positioned. If you believe in Him, if you are in Christ, you are seated at that right hand of God. You will be an advertisement of this immense power. This, the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted Him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now He is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And He alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Christ Jesus and has given Him the highest rank above all others. And now we, His church, are His body here on the earth and that which fills Him who is being filled by Him. We are the fullness of Christ. Mm. He has supreme authority. And in Ephesians 2.6 it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sounds powerful to me. I want to learn to walk in that authority. I want to learn to walk in the authority given to me by Christ. I want to be the kind of Christian that when I get up out of bed in the morning and my feet hit the floor, the enemy's going, oh no, not again, he's awake. Oh, he's going to cause me headaches today. Lock up those gates. Lock up those gates. But I know that they won't stand. They will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail because I'm walking in the authority of Christ. If I want to see chains broken, I know God wants to see chains broken. I'm just going to speak to the chains and say, break. If I see someone walking in addiction, and I know God wants them free. I understand that He's got the authority. And I'm going to say, addiction, leave. You've got no place here in the name of Jesus. If I see someone walking hurt, I'm just going to say, be healed and have faith in the name of Jesus.
but you don't feel like you have the authority? Have you ever been given authority, but you don't really feel adequate or ready or seated comfortably with that authority? I think every time I've ever been elevated to a new level of authority, there's a sense of uncomfortability. Like, ooh, who am I to sit in this seat? Am I ready for this? Do I have the goods? Can I achieve this? I think we can all relate to that. Sometimes it stops us even from trying. What if I fail? What if I step? What if I say, be healed, and they're not healed? What if I say, be free from addiction, and they're not freed from addiction? But what if that fear of failure stops you from releasing the healing power of God for just one person? What if you fail nine times, but God comes through on the 10th and heals that person? What if that changes their life forever? I had the privilege with my wife of starting this young adults life group and get around some of these young people in our church because these young people have some of the most amazing testimonies of God's faithfulness. Literally sitting at the point of death, at the point of, I just want to let go, I just want to pass over. And someone comes and speaks life. And they're brought back. I've got a friend who, he was at the pizza shop one time. And he's, he's, he's sitting there going to get his pizza for his family. And the Lord says to him, I want you to go and tell that guy at the counter that I love him. And he's going, come on, Lord, I just want to get some pizza. I don't want to be that weirdo in the pizza shop. I just want to go feed my family with some kai and go home. Not now. Get someone else to do it. Come on, Lord. And the Lord goes, I want you to go and tell that guy that I love him. Oh, Lord. Okay. And this mate of mine, he's this big Samoan guy. He walks up and goes, bro, I don't know where you're at with, you know, God and Jesus and stuff, but the Lord just told me to tell you that He loves you, okay? And this guy just starts crying. And he turns to my mate and he says, this pizza that I was buying tonight was my last meal. I was going to go home tonight, eat my pizza, and that was going to be the end. And I've been asking God to save me. I've been asking God to show up. And you, this guy that I don't even know, has walked up to me and told me right now that God loves me. You've just saved my life. I want to be more afraid of not doing God's will than failing trying to do it. What if I'm so afraid of saying God loves you to a person so afraid of being embarrassed that I let someone go without experiencing that love, that life-changing, life-saving love. Understand the authority in which you stand and respect that authority. Amen.